drop. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's The Doghouse. Professional retriever trainers Adam Campbell from Hillside Kennels and Jimmy Rogers from Mallard Run Kennels are here to talk dog training. Plus, duck hunting, outdoor world equipment, and retriever and hunting events. Handlers, Master A. The Doghouse is brought to you in part by Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi, featuring those great Chevrolet trucks. BS delivers at Sullivan Motors. Back. So, let's get started. Here are Adam Campbell and Jimmy Rogers. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Doghouse. Come in, Jimmy Rogers. What's going on, Adam? How are we, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you, brother? I'm very good, man. Beautiful morning. Going to warm up about 60 degrees today. Excited about getting some dog training done. Absolutely, man. And uh <clears throat> going to be just the same here, and we're going to have a great day, too. But, um, man, another episode. We're ready to go. But, you know, before we get started with our guest here, and um, just wanted to bump everybody on going and um, liking and following and all of that stuff you got to do on the on the on the app there on our podcast and uh, leave a comment that's supposed to help us you know and, uh, just Jimmy remind everybody where to find you on social media you know we hadn't done that this time maybe we got some new folks that want to follow Mallard Run that's right Mall- Mallard Run on Instagram Mallard Run Kennels on Facebook. Uh, Jimmy Rogers Facebook page. Yep, and then I'm Campbellsville, Kentucky. That's right, and I'm I'm Campbell's Hillside Kennels on Instagram and Facebook. Um, probably ain't gonna get me on Facebook. I don't I don't even have the app on my phone. Yep. But Miss Carrie, uh, uh, transfer you over to me if you do hit me up on there. So uh, one more thing, we're gonna be at the the Wild Turkey Federation this weekend. If you're there, you know I'll be hanging out around the Rolling Thunder booth somewhere, and man, come by. I'd love to shake your hand. Put faces with names and, and all of that type of stuff. And I think you'll be – you still planning on trying to come Saturday, Jim? No, sir. Got nope. my schedule since I, since our last one. Uh, I got my schedule all worked out. I've been kind of tied up with all my other stuff, personal stuff there. And uh, me and Tyler Patterson will be at West Mississippi judging an HRC test. Oh, so okay. if you have entered down at West Mississippi and run and finish, you better be out working them over pretty good right now. <laughs> better be bearing down on them, huh? <laughs> You better be bearing, you better be bearing down. <laughs> well, anyway, bringing the thunder. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if you're going around under Tyler and Jimmy, and uh, yeah. if you're going to the to the Wild Turkey Federation, come by and, and uh, give your boy a holler. So, yeah. <clears throat> all right, Jim. Like I like I said, you're gonna have fun with that. That's a that's a good time, man. That's an excellent good time. You're gonna really enjoy that. Yeah, I, that I, show. I'm looking forward to it, man. To, to see the show and uh, Miss Carrie's going with me. That's gonna be a ton of fun and to spend some time with her and. Um, the little munchkins are going to stay here and that, you know, I, we, we love them girls, but at the same time, you know, to get Miss Carrie away and, and, uh, let her breathe a little bit, man. It's just uh, such an understatement how much work that she does and to make things happen for us. And, you know, she's a blessing to me. So <clears throat> I'm looking forward to taking her up there and, and letting her, you know, let her hair down and, you know, show, show, show me off a little bit. There you go. <laughs> Not everybody has a trophy husband like yourself. <laughs> oh, Lordy mercy. We better move on. But um, uh, today's, yeah. today we have a guest, Jim, and uh, a guy that's real special to me. Became uh, almost instant great friends back at the Master National in Sherall. Would have been, 
2015 ish or so, somewhere yeah. in there, and um, we were in the same flight. I had met him one time before, maybe pre grand training back when I was stupid enough to do that stuff. And um, <laughs> uh, we ain't going there today. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, Mr. Tim Doan, uh, welcome in, brother. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have I, you. I, I have known Mr. Tim a long time. Also met him through Ronnie Lee many, many years ago. I don't even know. That would have been pre-15. I'm going to say around. You were staying over to Quail Club down there in Alabama. And we'd come over and run a master test while you were down. That's yeah. been a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. That was quite a while ago. I used to stay with Manny Collins over there at the Quail Valley Lodge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that had been a been a while. I met your met your wife, and I think we pre we pre grand trained together a couple of times along the way. At Tom, at, um, in Union City is the first time I met Tim. He probably don't yeah. remember me, but I do. I I remember that. Um, mm -hmm. at, what's what's Tom's last name? Tom Neal. Tom Neal. Yeah, yep. Tom and Lisa's yeah. place up there. We did some That's right. upland training there. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't around for the upland. <laughs> You were well. I remember you shooting chuckers for us. So you were. You, I know you hung around, and at least did some upland training with us. I may have. Uh, yeah. That that uh, that I, grand was um, quick live for old Big Adam. I was. <laughs> I think I was out there by the second series or something. But anyway, you yeah. Know, we made not? the same. We made the same exit point on that second series. <laughs> I, my batteries went down on my dog truck, and I lost my dogs in the second series, so it was a good day. That's one. I'll never forget that one. <laughs> they both had the same feeling. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Mr. Uh, Tim, tell us where you're from. Just tell us a little bit about Tim Dawn before we get into dogs and stuff. Sure. Uh, where you grew up. and Sure. I, I live, actually live where I grew up, in Jenison, Michigan, southwest Michigan. Um, been training retrievers for a living now for about 15, 16 years, probably. Um, married to my wife, Patty, and she's actually a very big part of the business. Um, we breed retrievers and that's kind of her thing. She's the puppy mama. Mm -hmm. She's very, very good at it. She's also, uh, and loves it. She loves it. Yes. Yeah, and you have to, because that woman, I'll tell you what, she, uh, puts herself through it caring for them puppies. Oh yeah. She, in fact, she just had a litter yesterday. So, oh really? Uh, yep. So I migrate from Michigan down here for three months every year, as you well know. Um, I invade your space, and you tolerate me for three <laughs> months, so I, I greatly appreciate that. It's a pleasure to have you. In, um, How long have you been coming here now? Is this the fourth I, year or the third? Yeah, sure. Adam, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what I have for breakfast most days. Um, I think it's been four years. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, yeah, and, it, and it's been a, a – a blessing to me, a real treat for me. Uh, I, like you said, I think we were almost instantly good friends. Yeah, um, we're kind of just the same person, and uh, I'm always always look forward to spending time with you down here. That's right, and and we enjoy having you. And you almost got to see these girls grow up. You know, yeah. Cassie Mate was four when you first started coming here. Now sure. she's like you. Like, I can't believe how tall she is. Was right. what you said the other day when you seen her. So, yep. you know, just part of the family for three months. You know, that's kind of the great thing about what we do. Um, you know, we get to do something we enjoy, but, you know, the the I think equally important are the people we meet, the friends we make. I don't think there's too many places around this country 
where I can't run into trouble and make a phone call and, and someone will get me out. Uh, absolutely. So that's been said on here several times, hasn't it, Jimmy? You've even it said is, it. Man, I mean, that's you know. oh, everywhere you go, you're within. You know, you know, anytime you're anywhere close to central kentucky on i-65 or i-75 you got somebody close to you here with me and then everywhere along the way you know uh when i'm in michigan you know uh, I, I would sure hate to bother you but if i was up there in a bind i know i'd got somebody i could call for help if i got in a bind up there you know it would be no bother <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's a, that is a great thing about this business and what oh, we do the, you know the, the relationship part of it yeah um, and coast to coast too like you know i go up north every year i run at least a couple times a year up in michigan and i i bump into mr temp pretty often you know not not all the time uh i think we run i'm trying to think maybe i know at least once together last year uh maybe a couple of times fort wayne i run up there getting close to his area so yeah uh tim i want to say this about tim he he can do anything he can he he can build like he can woodwork he can build fences like chain link fences and I, I haven't seen any him try to take on anything that he hasn't accomplished so before you started dog training where did where did all that come from Tim? I came from my daddy from your daddy. Yep, I was yep. raised by a man that I I can't remember a single time as a boy ever seeing him pay anybody to do anything. <laughs> I, I remember. One time, a man had a dryer all torn apart, a clothes dryer. Uh-huh. I don't remember how old I was. I was old enough to think of asking this question. How do you know how to fix all this stuff? <laughs> he stopped what he was doing. He looked at me. He says, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. You know, it dawned on me. He doesn't know everything. But he was just never afraid to try, and I got that from him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I can see it. So I was always really, you know, we probably had that conversation before, but he can do about anything. So there are there are things I can't do, Adam. You have heard me sing, so <laughs> you can't <laughs> argue that one. <laughs> and I heard you playing the guitar through the walls the other night, so it sounds better. <laughs> um, what let's, about? Let's, I, hold on, hold on. Uh, my, my greatest Tim Stoltz. Tim Stoltz story. I got to tell this. All right. Oh boy. One day, it's been about three years ago. Late spring, I'm sure right at the end of Tim's trip, it, it, it was raining throughout the southeast. I got up, run over about half thunder shire and put my dogs up. I aired them good and put them back up. Called the boys to work for me. I said, it's a rain out today. We'll, we'll get, them, get them tomorrow. And I called Adam. Or Adam called me one. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm standing here at the back door watching thunder shire. And Tim Doan is out there doing the Tim tea pattern. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, he just better than I am. Adam goes, he better than I am, too. <laughs> there ain't no doubt, man. He, he's a beast. He's a oh, beast. He, he, was get, he was getting after it coming a downpour. I said, especially this time of year, there's too many pretty days coming for, for, for me, but he's getting it done. I, I was envious. I wish I had that thunder. It just all hard to talk me into it at that time. Yeah, y'all are probably a little smarter than me, Jimmy. <laughs> hey. Yeah, From, but getting it done is getting it done. I, I use making, you know, making best of your time down there, and I understand that, but that's, that's tough right there. <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> from the back door down to the tape pattern, ain't 50 yards. I could barely see him out there. It was raining so damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting it. So. Me, me and you was thinking about breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no doubt. Um, yeah. That's that a great story. Before we get into the actual dog training stuff, Tim, 
um, you've had some really, really great dogs um, throughout the, you know, from really your first one and moving on forward. Let's talk about some of those guys. If you, if you don't mind, I know some of that stuff gets emotional and sure. no, we're emotional guys. So if you get yeah. emotional, that's perfectly okay with us. No, I don't mind. Um, first dog I ever, not the first dog I ever owned, first retriever I ever trained. Okay. I, I'd, I'd grown up around dogs. Um, I'd owned labs previously. But I was a deer hunter, and some idiot took me duck hunting, and uh, <laughs> that was the end of that. So um, I ended up getting a dog. I went to Hunter's Marsh Kennel and bought a lab on the advice of a friend of mine, and I named him Eli. And he, you know, Adam, I've, I've trained a couple hundred of them now, and if I put five or six of them on, on a list that I would say were great dogs, He's at the top of that list, and mm. he just happened to be my first dog. So I'm sure there's some bias there, but, you know, realistically, I've probably had one or two with slightly more talent, but that dog had the biggest heart of any animal I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. He packed his lunch, came to work every day, never took a playoff. And as I learned, as I grew as a trainer and a handler, he he just rolled with it. Everything I asked him to do, he learned to do. As I got better, he got better. Um, you know, the the dog just just kept kept going and, and kept rolling, and and he was amazing, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard we've talked about him a lot, and maybe one of my favorite stories is you would always run him on his set of marks around lunchtime, wouldn't you? Oh, I know, yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. So when I first started doing this, of course, I broke in with some HRC people, uh-huh. and everything was a triple and a blind, right? That's all we knew. We just, I, I didn't know any better. So I decided, and let me back up a little bit. Back in 07, 08, I was putting houses up, okay? So, Framing houses. Yeah, that work went away. It was gone. Mm-hmm. So I needed groceries what i needed <laughs> so i started training dogs i didn't never intend to be a dog trainer okay literally i needed groceries so i took a few dogs in and i was buying groceries anyway but um as i was now doing this during the day for a living um i realized one day you know what this dog i'm talking about eli now this dog he, he gets it right every single time he, he's capable of more i need to find something this dog can't do so this is where it all started. One day, I threw his marks, put him up, didn't let him pick him up. He he watched him fall. I put him up, ate my lunch, got him back out 15 minutes later, and the dog just ran to him like he put him there. <laughs> and that's that's when we started. That's when I really started digging in and finding different ways to challenge a good dog. Uh huh. Is it? Can you, all right off the top of your head? Can you think of any other things you did to challenge him? Oh, sure. I mean, I had no idea what a poison bird blind was at that point. Um, you know, I started digging in and finding different things to do. Um, primary selection, poison bird blinds. We, I'd throw a set of marks. I'd turn around, walk over the other side of the ridge, run three or four blinds, come back, pick up the marks. Anything I could think of to, to, to see if I could find something this dog couldn't do. And every now and then, we'd stumble onto something and give us something to work on. Right. Yep. And just an incredible, incredible dog. Absolutely. Incredible yep. dog. And you do a pretty good job yourself there. So, um, any any more, a couple more you got there? Might it, ring a bell. You know, to get a, a Eli for your first dog is more than any man deserves. And my second dog is a dog named Stella. 
mm-hmm. and equally as good. Um, she, uh, there were, was a time or two where she might take a playoff. <laughs> right. I mean, we were in a couple opens looking really good to win. Yeah. And I can think of one. It was a 500-yard bird. With, it was in, in Onaway at Magnuson's place, and there was like nine re-entries on this retired, this four series. So I set her down on the mat. She picked up her other two birds, and she looked out there and turned her head. I'm like, no, not now. Not now. <laughs> Please not now. So I got her lined up, finally convinced her to at least look that way, and she took off and got to about the third entry and started farting around. I blew a whistle, gave her one cast, and she went the other 400 yards right to the bird. Mm. Knew exactly where it was. But um, occasionally she would do something like that. But she was a, she was as good as Eli. So here I am with my second dog now, and, and they're – Oh, probably two years separated in age. So I've got two top-shelf dogs. You know, I think every man hopefully gets one in his life, and here I am sitting on two, my two first two. two dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. Jimmy, one time, um, I don't remember exactly when this was, but they had an SRS down at the cattle ranch, and, you know, I guess, you know, all the big shots was down there, and, and 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 me and Tim signed up for it. We show up, and then uh, after the first series, I think it was um, was you. One of us was first, one of us was second, the other one was third, and the other one was fourth. You know, and the, the first series, they were like, "Who the hell are these people?" You know. <laughs> yeah, what are y'all doing down yeah. here messing our yep. deal up? Yeah. Stella <laughs> was one of those dogs. I remember that. And so, um, yeah, she was a good one. I I remember seeing her train and. Was was a fun dog. All right, Jim, you ready to talk a little dog training? Oh yeah, man, as always. All right, we're gonna we're gonna dub this one um, the confusion method. Um, I'm in minimal confusion. So uh, me and Tim have talked, and he's kind of jotted down a few little notes here, four or five notes that I'm gonna throw out, and we can all discuss and get Tim's take on it, your take, and I'm gonna hopefully learn something. Okay. That's right. All right. So number one, never leave the dog guessing what is desired in a setup. All right, Tim, I'll let you take it from there. What 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 did what do you mean by that? What's some examples? You know, we kind of came up with this deal. You asked me if if when we had discussed doing a, a podcast, you know, what would we talk about? And for me, that was easy. My whole my whole philosophy the last couple of years has been: don't confuse them. <laughs> Just yeah. don't confuse them. So, um, as far as never leaving a dog guessing what I want, I think that confusion typically comes mostly from inconsistency. Okay. And as a professional retriever trainer, having trained a couple hundred dogs now, experience is such a huge luxury. As you well know, you, you get your first 10 to 20 dogs trained and you think you got it figured out. You get to 50, and you realize you didn't know anything at 10 to 20. <laughs> now, that's a fact. You get to 100, 150, and you realize at 50, I still didn't know anything. <laughs> and you come to realize that, you know, if you just pay attention, you're going to keep learning. Absolutely. So, um, be- before I go any further, I just want to say I get it for these people that don't have the experience we have. They have not had their hands on the number of animals we've had, have not shot themselves in the foot as many times as we have. So, you know, I see a lot of people, some with really, really good dogs, you know, and you can tell that that dog is just confused. 
it doesn't know exactly what the handler is asking for. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, backing up a little bit, I think a lot of that comes from inconsistency. And I can start, uh, I think, you know, with a puppy. Um, I see this all the time. People got a little puppy they just picked up, and they want, they want it to come back to them. So, that, so they say, here. And the puppy doesn't respond. They say, here. And, and pretty soon the puppy comes to understand, okay, this, he's going to come after me now, and they run away. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, here means, sweet, you're going to chase me. <laughs> and all you've taught that dog, come here. Sweet, here he comes. <laughs> so, um, but eventually, you're going to teach that dog, here means you better get your butt over here. Right. So, I think inconsistency, you, and that can evolve all the way through to advanced training. So, I mean, once you get into your basic retriever training, you tell a dog to sit, and I see this a lot. Like, uh, someone will get their dog off a truck. They got the collar in their hand, sit. The dog does not sit. Mm-hmm. Sit. The dog doesn't sit. They're strapping the collar on. The dog still hasn't sat down. They get the collar on. They're telling it to heal as they walk to the line. It's not really healing. They get to the line, and the dog doesn't sit, and they light them up. To me, inconsistency is going to cause confusion in, in, the, in the mind of these animals. All the way down to the very basic sit For, command. Yes. Yes. Um, what about in more of an advanced setting, in the water, out of the water, you know, just any kind of setting like that? Sure. So, you know, a couple more examples. One would, here's another one that, that I tell my clients often or anybody I'm working with. I watch people run blinds. Mm-hmm. And in training, and I'll, I'll emphasize that, in training, I'm not telling somebody to pick a fight in a test or a trial. But in training, to me, I'm all about literal casting. Okay, so whatever slot my arm is in is the degree line change I expect from that dog, that or more. In my opinion, in training, the dog should always overcast. The handler should never. So what I see people do, okay, say they need a 20-degree line change, and they maybe they try that the first time. They set the dog down, show them a 20-degree line change with their arm. The dog doesn't give it to them, so they blow another whistle, and they give a 45-degree arm slot. They get the 20-degree line change, and they let the dog go. They lie to it. Basically, yes. Yep. That's a good way to put it, sure. So, again, now what you're getting into is confusion because – what you what you ask the dog to do, okay, a 45-degree line change, you let it get away with 20. Well, what happens when the dog's very close to the object? And you need that 45-degree line change. You don't get it. Now the dog's deep. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you go lighten the dog up because you didn't take your cast. Well, you kind of taught him <laughs> that that 45-degree arm slot means 20 degrees. <laughs> can you see how this dog is going to get confused? <laughs> I, can, I can see it. Okay, so then the other thing that could go wrong there. <clears throat> Um, same scenario, you need a 20-degree line change. You show that dog a 20-degree arm slot, you don't get it. The dog digs straight back, so you hit a sit whistle. You give him a great big cast, 45 degrees. That dog takes it. You hit a sit whistle right away because he took way too much cast. You, you're not giving the dog a way out. That's right. The dog has to have a way out. I would let that dog go. If I gave that cast and the dog took it, that was my fault. <laughs> You need to let that dog go, which is why I don't do that in training. Right. That makes sense? Uh, oh, it makes 100%, 100% uh, sense to me. And we did a um, a little talk on 
discipline, I mean, not discipline, literal casting on the last podcast. And you just reiterated what we were saying there, didn't you, Jimmy? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's That covers it exactly what we talked about. And that, that's something that people really need to pay attention to because that inconsistency is where I see most of the problems at when they're in the test scenario. Yeah. And I, I like what he said. They should always give you what you ask for or a little more. I tend, little to lean, more. I tend to lean on the little more side. And then at the hunt test or the trial, a lot of times you'll see that flatten back out just right. If they're, I agree if they're overcast. Yeah. Not like totally overcast, but overcast a little bit for you in training, it'll flatten out in the. Yeah. Um, I, yesterday, yesterday we run a big long blind with the dog. I'm just getting my dogs back in out of hunt season and I run a big old long hard blind. I thought, you know, let's just see where they are. And, and I got. I was really pleased. I actually got a little overcast in it, and I was tickled with that, that they were giving me that good change of direction, we call. You know, that's – I just wanted to see – I wasn't going to hold them real hard, not the first day out, but, but I was there. Went back over duck, you know, over duck season, and I was pleasantly surprised. Right, right, absolutely. That's always good. That means you, you're training hell. That's that's what you're looking for. So, that's all right, right, let's move on to another one. Um do not set up anything in training unless I can teach the dog something when it goes wrong. That's a big one for me too. Um, and you know, and here's here's a to me a, a great example. I had a client call me and ask me a question. He said, "Look, we we did this deal in training the other day, and I wasn't quite sure how to handle it." So he was training in a group. And they had thrown an out of order inline. Okay, so what I mean by out of order inline. Two birds are thrown, and the dog needs to go down the same line to retrieve them. Right. Okay, and what I mean by out of order is the short bird is thrown first, and there's a long bird thrown down the same line behind it. Over the top of it. Right. Yeah. And, and um, the, the issue was the dogs were picking up the short bird first. Mm-hmm. So, of course, my first question is, well, what were they doing to the dogs? Well, they were burning them off it. I would never do that. Well, what are you supposed to do? I said, well, did you point the dog in that direction? Yes. Did you send the dog to go pick up a duck? Yes. What did the dog do? Picked up the wrong duck. No, no, no. It picked up a duck. (laughs) On the exact line you lined him up on. If he gets his butt kicked for that, now you turn off to the left to pick up another bird. You line him up, inspect him to go get a duck. What is he to think? In the same direction. It doesn't matter what direction. No, but like on that particular setting, you want him to go right back where he just got in trouble for going to, right? Even if it's a different direction. Right. You're lining him yep. up and sending him after a duck. He just got his butt kicked for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's hundred. I so, get it 100%. Um, and here's the deal. I know this group that was training. I know the test they ran the week before because I was there and they threw this in the test. It was out of order in line. Mm-hmm. So they went and trained on it. To me, let's let's back up. Let's just go to picking up that out of order in line. So they pick up the short bird and they're telling them, no, you can't have that short bird. You need to go get the last bird down. Right. I don't think the dog can understand that. I don't either. You've sent them down yeah, that no. line. They've picked that duck up. Or tried to pick that duck up. They got in trouble for it. I don't think they can understand that. Now you turn them back around 
and ask them to pick up. If you got them off the short duck, it's still there. Now they've got to go pick up what they just got in trouble for trying to pick up. Mm-hmm. To me, you're, you're causing phobias and you're causing doubt. And, and to me, especially with a good dog, a smart dog that learns quick, you put them in that situation a couple of times and they're going to start getting a little foggy, a little scared about even looking at that picture. And you almost, you almost will never re- recover from that. You know what I'm saying? Um, sometimes those little smart dogs that you're talking about, if you if you create that confusion there and then maybe do it again, and there's some pressure involved, you may not ever overcome what you did that day. Agreed. The rest of that dog's life. All right. So getting into the technicality right there, how what would you do in that situation if they were throwing a long bird over the top of the short bird? First of all, if, as, a, as a double, I would never do that in training ever, ever. All right. Ever. There's no way f- to help the dog understand what went wrong. Okay, I don't want them picking up the short bird first, and then most of them are going to. Right. So I wouldn't. Now, I would throw an out-of-order double at, as part of a triple. So we've got a bird that will say, hopefully I can paint a picture here. Way off to the left, we throw bird one. Mm-hmm. Bird two is the short bird of the inline. Bird three is the long bird of the inline. Right. Primary select, no. Put them on that bird way off to the left. Pick that up. Bring them back. Now, this is with an advanced dog. Yep. Get, line them up. Now, you've got your inline double. Cue them with an easy, meaning short bird. That's yep. my cue. That's my cue. Easy. Easy. Send them. Pick up the short bird, turn him back around, give him with a little louder send to get him through the the short area of fall. So now if they check down in the short area and where they just picked up that short bird, you get a chance to teach them something of value. Absolutely. Where yep. in the other scenario, again, in my opinion, you're just creating confusion. Yep. yep. Get a chance to create value right there. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I was going to say, I see the same type thing, not say in a marking scenario like that, but with putting a blind too close to marks, like where we pile up our bumpers, you know, for our blind for the day. And then you get a mark, they have to go out and hunt on and end up on the blind stake. And I've seen guys burn them, you know, for going over onto the blind stake, you know, for, and just really in the hunt area. And it's like, you know, that dog doesn't understand, you know, if he's already hunting that bird he found something, you know, I've seen guys give some bad, heavy corrections and it's like, Hey, that's, you know, what did the dog get out of that? Is there, is there an understanding, you know, did the dog understand he left the area and found a, something he's always picked up to try to release the pressure or is he just being disobedient? Said, well, hell, I'm going to take the easy way out. You know, that is kind of the same scenario. You got to be careful. Like we try to, if I, if I get myself in a bind, well, we're running a tight line like that. We'll one plant instead of leave a pile out, you know, it's mm-hmm. the same same scenario. You put a dog in a position. Does he know what he's getting himself in trouble for? Is there any a, way to teach on that? That's a great example too. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and here's something I, I said often. I see it, unfortunately, too many times at hunt tests. To, in my opinion, if they can smell your blind, it's in the test. So it's in the fall. To, it's an area to fall. If they're in an area to fall and they can smell that blind, it's in your test. I don't care if it's a hundred yards away. <laughs> it's in the test. Yeah. Okay. So when when you do something like that, maybe the wind changed. Maybe you didn't pay attention to the wind. Maybe you didn't think of it. Whatever. But um, 
especially in training. I mean, you've got control over all that. You can change your test. Don't ever send a dog out, especially on a memory bird, and where they get in there and start hunting. If that dog gets to that area and can smell a bird, expect it to go get it. <laughs> That's what you've sent them to do. That's why you feed it some two holes on the end of his face. And you better believe <laughs> it. That's what Ronnie Lee says. You know it. Yeah, true. so you can't get on to them for using it right we, there. You've got to remember, these dogs have a brain the size of a walnut. 60% of that runs their nose. I'm amazed we can get out of them what we do. Okay? Don't don't throw this kind of confusion into their brain and muddle that all up. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. All right, how about this? Moving on. Never tell the dog what you want and then let it do something else. Is one of your one of your points here. Sure. And that um you know a great example of that would be the what we talked about earlier with the casting yeah um, don't tell a dog that you need a 45 degree line change and let it give you 20 absolutely i had i had example right there i had wrote down overcasting you sure. know yeah. the handler overcasting give the 45 or give an over to get an angle yeah. you see it so much and it's just, i don't know and i was fortunate enough to have lauren when i was coming up tell me like don't lie to your dogs quit you know don't do that you you, you give the dog an angle and the dog takes an angle. And if he doesn't, you give the dog the same cast, and you make him take an angle. And, and I, I think I need to say this at least one more time. We're talking in training. In training, yes. yes. If your dog yes. blows you off in a test or a trial, your next cast better be bigger. Okay, I'm not, I don't yep. want anybody to say, well, that guy on, on the podcast said, <laughs> if you see me in a hunt test and I don't get that 20-degree line change, yes, I'm giving a bigger cast. Absolutely. But it, yep. we train them to do what we've told them to do. And, and, Adam, really, that can back all the way up to basics. To me, if I tell a dog to sit, it has to sit. It has to. Yeah. Yep. We've talked about but, this. Um, go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, no, no, no. no. I was, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And we had actually touched on that on the last one. We was talking about that directional casting or, or, or uh, literal casting. You know, they got it. But in the test, <laughs> it, you just pass at all costs. We've all been in that thing where we're over there giving that hard left over, praying for the please God take it or we're out exactly. situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you ain't, right. you ain't trained dogs long enough, you ain't running enough hunt tests because right. it's coming. But <laughs> exactly. especially if you've run the grand or anything like that. But, you know, another one of those scenarios is the short, like, if you're sending a dog on a short check down bird and it overruns and goes and gets the long bird, you know, that's one of those that you ask the dog to get the short bird, you know, don't allow them to get the short, the long bird. That's where you gotta, you can't put a dog where I see people mess this up. They take dogs that can't handle or not handling well and try to run marking scenarios and allow the dog to make those mistakes. You know, uh, going back to the question was, you know, not let the dog, do something without you know and get away with something to make a you know where you can't correct but yeah where you, you told know, it to do one thing and then allowing it to do the other allow it to do the other mm -hmm. so if you you know if you line your dog up on a short bird and it goes in there and makes a little circle and blows out you, you gotta you gotta be able to stop that dog help the dog do something put him back in on the short bird or same thing on a long bird if he dives in on a short bird going out for a long bird you got to be able to you know put him off of that and back on if that's the what you're teaching that day and you want him to understand you can't allow him to go ahead and make that mistake if if it at any means possible you know to try to stop that absolutely so it's clear to me yeah great, great point and a great example yeah. and and here's 
again, I'm not dissing anybody that doesn't have the experience we have. This is designed to help. So, um, but here's what I see with people that don't have the experience, don't go into a situation knowing, all right, this is what I want to teach my dog today. And not only that, you need to be able to adjust on the fly. If your dog tells you, I need to learn something else today, well, then you need to recognize that. And it's not something you can have a discussion about. You need to see it on the fly and, and react. But what you just said, Jim, you made a great point. You see a lot of people um, that maybe they go to a training group day or a training day with their club or whatever. They put their dog in over their head, and it all goes in a crapper, and they have no idea what went wrong. Um, your example was good. Let's Let's say... Um, you want them to pick up that short bird and they overran it. Well, they want to get the marks picked up without handling, so they let their dog do it. Trying they, to win they, training they, day. Yeah, they've missed an opportunity to teach the dog what's expected. Yeah. So, yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to even do it with correct, hard correction. No, just absolutely a teaching not. Opportunity. Just don't let just, them do it. Just don't, yeah. To, to, yeah, to so. the bullet point, don't allow the dog to do something you haven't asked it to do. Yeah. And they, yeah, that's a that's a great one because that's one we probably see as pros training with amateurs and and clients is the one thing that we probably see more than all the rest of the stuff we've talked about and holding that standard. That's one thing maybe we take for granted that we're kind of ingrained that I ask you to do this, that's what you're going to do, and we take for granted that not everybody sees it that way. And and I think another thing, Adam, because. This is what we do for a living, and we've been at it for a little while now. And, again, experience is such a huge luxury that we look we, – we welcome a chance to teach a dog something. Mm-hmm. You know, my clients yeah. come, and, and I run their little dog, and the dog messes it up, and they're all bummed out. My dog didn't do it right. Now, if that dog made a mistake and I got out of it thinking I taught that dog something, to me that's a great – that's way better than a dog coming out and drilling it because that's just exercise. That's right. I got to yep. teach that dog something today. You got we're, to win. We're one mistake closer to being bulletproof. That's, yep. that's right. You got the win right there. Yeah. Yep. yep. Good stuff. Got anything to add to that, Jim? Well, I was going to say that's something over the last few years uh, that I have I have been blessed to get to train with some guys with better bird placement, so I did get the opportunity to teach the dogs you know a few years ago i'd throw marks and they would just get them you know and all i was doing like mr tim says perfect example just exercise now i try to set something up for each dog where if they get it good but then i see they need more you know where we're always teaching them you know and te- always giving them the opportunity to make that mistake and, and i'm with you if, if they make mistakes that means they're i had the opportunity to teach them something if they never make a mistake we're just you might as well hook them to a rodent harness yeah. and take them for a run you're not doing your job if, if they get it right job. every day i mean they need days they need mental health days just like we do mm. you know, sure I, I do fun day friday <laughs> my goal yep. on friday nobody gets in trouble right you know yep. and there's always going to be that one dog that just can't <laughs> seem to stay out of trouble but <laughs> just can't help himself you know, yep. they need those days but yeah that's right <laughs> if it's every day you're not doing your job that's right that's exactly right all right. Another thing, <clears throat> be real careful when training in gray areas. Um, the dog needs to have a way out. I guess explain what, what do you mean by a gray area? Um, it, one example can be shorelines. Yes. Okay. So Very gray. Yes. I, I want a dog comfortable 
I want to give them a way out. All right. So if you see water, get in the water. Right. You know, and yeah. I, 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 with a good dog, you can get them to shoulder shoreline, swimming down the shoreline, and they'll be real good at it. So I noticed a few years back it got kind of cute to run a down the shore blind on land at these hunt tests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember running one in Michigan, and they had a double blind, water blind first, and it was skinny. And my dogs were one or two whistles doing great. And then five feet to the left of it, dry, was your second blind. And my dogs looked absolutely horrible. <laughs> they were like, I'm getting in. Oh, you can't get in. Like Jimmy said, you're giving that over. You know, the old over, walking 18 feet. <laughs> over. Walking over <laughs> right. to the land. And they're they're digging. You know, the best you're going to get is a straight back. But um, they were in yep. the water, out of the water, in the water. And, you know, the, it was funny. The judge says, man, your dogs are doing great on the water blind. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> they're not They're not doing very good on the land blind. I said, well, the water blind is where we teach them to go. <laughs> I didn't yeah. say any more. <laughs> but I, I, I was there for that. And I remember the exact words from Mr. Tim Dunn was, if you got to eat a shit sandwich, take very big bites. Take big bites, brother. (laughs) (laughs) But here's my point. Even though we see that, I'm not going to go train on that. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm never going to run a blind down the shore two feet from the water's edge. Ever in my life will I do that in training. I'll take my chances. I'll look bad. I don't care. To me, the dog has to have a right and a wrong. I, I agree. And what I have done, I'll add this, to com- combat that is I will run down the – I will work on going down like a real flat angle entry, run down the water, you know, down the land, down the land, down the land, but I always, never, never, ever don't end up getting in the water. Right, and I'm fine with that. Uh, and and it, here's what we I do found. The same thing. That's what I found to help me is, yeah, I'm going to cast them a lot, but when I see it at the hunt test, I can get it. I can get them there. Stand a chance. Yeah, I stand a yeah. chance. Where that master national where I met you, remember the very first series, we had to run that that blind down the side of the water in the very first series. Yep. I had eight dogs. I think I lost four right there on that blind yep. because they yep. they were in the water. And yep. you got to be able to do. Both, yeah, well, but there's a way to combat it without sure. just rewarding yep. them in training. Yep. I mean, you see all the time dogs, uh, people setting up marks in front of the water. Dog runs down to the edge of the water and gets the bird and never has to get in. Yep, there's another yep. one. And, and, yep. and that, that kind of solidifies our fifth point here that you did bring up. Don't train on anything that's contrary to good training. And that kind of goes in hand in hand with being great. And that was going to be my example. And Jimmy may have been at this test in Michigan. They had, they, they, it was a master test, and they threw a land test right in front of the water. And oh, yeah. one particular mark was literally landing where it almost rolled into the pond. And every single one of my dogs launched, Spoosh, came back and picked it up. And the judge yep. made mention of it. <laughs> they, they just asked for it, you know. Man, every one of your dogs jumped in the water. So, well, that's where we train them to go. <laughs> but yeah. even if I see that in a test, I'm not going to let them do that in training. I'm not setting that up. Well, yeah. And to me, again, now you're creating confusion. Uh, 
Yeah. 100% confusing, Jim. Oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, but but too, like you said about training, uh, running those long angle, the flat inner entries, you know, and and trying to you know teach the dog that we're seeing it so often anymore. You you virtually got to have the dog that will at least understand it's safe beside the water, right? Because it's just so often. And this there it wasn't this past year, year before last. I've run three tests that two of the three water marks were on this side of the water. You know, and am I going to do that in training? No, no, I'm never going to do that in training. It's just, it's just, I'm not going to do that. But it, it's so hard when you know your dogs are trained well, or you think they are, you've done the best you can. And the first thing to do is run down there and launch and overrun the bird. Like you said, I remember that test, you know, and the dogs, all of mine went out there, made a circle. They got in the water, come back, picked up the bird and come running back with it, you know, but uh man i was sweating it every step of the way like ah, this uh, you know this just don't seem fair to these dogs to uh to uh put them in this this scenario and and like adam said um there are ways around that and you know i've, I've got access to some really nice water up in michigan and really nice tech pond and i can run a dog 200 yards alongside the water and they get in it eventually mm-hmm so, yep. you know, you can create some comfort there. What I don't want to do, again, back to minimal confusion. Anything I do, I look at and like, is this going to end up somehow confusing my dogs? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good that's that's a good way to start your training day. Is <laughs> does the dog understand what we're trying to do here? And it's right. the end of the it, it, on that when it boils down to that deal running beside the water. It's the end of the day. The dog, if you do run beside it, it has to get in. Yes, at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. That 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 is that is a must. Um, before we go, what about a, you know maybe one or two more things that, um, contrary to good training, what what does that mean? And also a couple of things that to help people understand what we mean by contrary to good, you know, other than you know, throwing a bird in front of the water, and the, you train the dog to get in the water, and then let him have success in front of it without getting in. Um, I guess a lot of contrary stuff is. Sure, I mean, right. I, I can think of you know another example I can think of. On, you know, I don't mean to pick on hunt tests, but we were running a, a, a hunt test where they threw a bird right in front of a road. There was some cover on the back side of the road. Of course, that's where all the dogs want to go hunt because that's what we teach them. I mean, from a, you get a puppy, you know what it's like to get a young dog to cross a two-track. Yeah. You know, it takes a couple times. So if you're doing it right, it's, it's no cover and white bumpers. It's fairly simple for them. But if it's something they can't see, they're almost always going to check out short of the road or the two-track or the ditch or the spit of water. Mm-hmm. Um, so we teach them to go over those things, to get through those things, to, to navigate those factors. So to me, you know, that was a contrary mark. It was contrary to good training. Uh, I saw the, in the, the judges at this particular test were real quick to put your dog on the bird. Oh. So here's a dog that did what it was trained to do. Several dogs did what they were trained to do, cross the road, hunted the cover on the backside of the road. And they were told to handle their dog. Mm. So, um, again, because I saw that at a test, I'm not going to go train on that. I'm not going to do something that is contrary to what I taught that dog way back when it was young. Right. 
And a lot of times you can handle right there and at the hunt test and then bounce back and, and continue to go on and pass. Oh yes. Yeah, a lot of, it's happened to me a ton. I see sure. something contrary or something that goes against maybe my philosophy and what I teach my dogs. I just handle I don't get mad about it. I used to get mad. These judges, these somebody just don't know them. Blah, 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 blah. I'd be mad wanting to cuss them and all that. Now I just pick the bird up, figure out how to get the rest of the test clean and live to play another day. One thing that has to be remembered um, is hunt test judges are volunteers. We can't do what we do without them. That's right. They don't do what we do for a living. We can't expect them to know how we train our dogs. They may train theirs different. This is a shared opinion by at least the three of us. That doesn't mean they share our opinion, so I agree. I'm going to get mad about it. Nope. Uh, you know, I'll handle a dog when a dog needs handling, and you know, I'll take my chances with the rest of it. Absolutely. Um, Good stuff, man. Tim, we appreciate you coming on. Jim, you got anything to add, bud? No, man, I truly enjoyed it. Mr. Tim, always a pleasure. Good to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you again, hopefully this summer. I get up north and we bump into each other and run a test together. Always fun. Tell your wife, Miss Patty, I said hello, Adam. Thank you again, bud. Absolutely. Tim, tell everybody where they can find you on the social medias and all of that jazz. Sure. Um, we are known as King Seed Kennels, so we do have a Facebook page. That's kind of the extent of my social media. Um, I'm an old guy, so I'm a bit of a techno-tard. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where we can be found. Good. Good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Great to see you. Um, I was real yes, glad sir. to hear you didn't get beat up by that weather down there. I know I, I spent yeah. more, more than a couple mornings praying for the people of Kentucky. I know you all took a, a pretty good beat down. So. Oh, yeah, man. It was close to home, too. Thank you for that. We we got it right in my county. Got got demolished up on the north end. We, we got very blessed twice. We had two within a couple of weeks of each other, and yeah. both of them hit just – just uh just north of where i was so we were very very fortunate so yes sir thank you okay all right all right guys well uh thank you for joining another episode of the dog house we Doghouse Podcast is available each week on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and on Spotify. Let Jimmy Rogers and Adam Campbell keep you updated on dog events, retriever hunt tests, great hunting adventures, and great hunting equipment. The Doghouse is brought to you in part by Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi. They're your Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC dealer. Remember, BS delivers at Sullivan Motors.